0: what's up everyone i'm joe pompliano and this is the joe pomp show today's episode is with jenna Carra. jenna is the head of comcast NBC universal sports tech accelerator a technology accelerator that finds funds and fast tracks technologies from innovative entrepreneurs we talk about the pros and cons of the accelerator format how they add value through existing partnerships the current state of venture capital and more i really enjoyed this conversation with jenna and i hope that you do too but before we get into it, let's quickly run through today's sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Whoop. I've been wearing a Whoop for several years now, and it has made a massive difference in my life. It's the only tech product that I wear 24/7, So it's pretty cool to see people like Patrick Mahomes, Rory McIlroy, Michael Phelps, and Justin Bieber wearing one also. Whoop automatically measures your respiratory rate, oxygen level, resting heart rate, heart rate variability, calories, and activity levels throughout the day. Sure, it might sound complex, but Whoop interprets the data for you, so it's easy to digest and actionable. And now, their 4.0 is officially back in stock and shipping in real time. But here's the best part. To celebrate that and Father's Day coming up, Whoop is offering 15% off and free shipping when you use code JOE at checkout. So go to Whoop, W-H-O-O-P and enter JOE, J-O-E, at checkout to save 15% and get free shipping. Sleep better, recover faster, train smarter, and now, feel healthier with WHOOP. Next up is 8sleep. 8sleep has dramatically improved my daily performance. For me, I was never able to get a good sleep because I was always too hot. But now, I am falling asleep in record time, faster than I have before, all thanks to my 8sleep Pod Pro Cover. The Pod Pro Cover by 8sleep is the most advanced solution on the market for thermoregulation. You can add the cover to any mattress. The temperature regulation will create the optimal sleeping environment by adjusting to each side of the bed based on personalized sleep stages, biometrics, and bedroom temperature. The results are proven to be true. 8sleep users fall asleep up to 32% faster, reduce sleep interruptions by 40%, and get overall more restful sleep. And it's not just me who sleeps on an 8sleep. The product is so good that it's garnered the attention of CEOs, Olympians, UFC champions, and even the Mercedes F1 racing team. So go to 8sleep.com slash Joe, that's J-O-E, for exclusive Memorial Day savings through June 6. Cool down this summer with 8sleep, now shipping within the USA, UK, Canada, and Australia.
1: Joe Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of Joe Pompliano and his guests are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion by Joe or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only.
0: All right, let's get into this episode. All right, everyone. I'm here with Jenna Karath today. Hopefully I pronounced that right. This is take number two. We had to start over after I messed it up the first time. Jenna is the head of Comcast Sports Tech Accelerator. So we're going to talk about the program today and learn a lot about what they're doing, who they're helping, the founders they're investing in, how the program works. But first, Jenna, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. And it's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time. I know you're probably very busy, so I appreciate it. Let's start with you first before we dive into the program and maybe just give people a little background on who you are, where you came from, etc. So they have some context.
1: Absolutely. So I'm vice president of startup partnerships, and I have the privilege of leading our Comcast NBCU sports tech accelerator. I've been with Comcast coming up on 10 years now, always in business development and partnership roles. Obviously, sports runs very deep for our company, whether that's media rights. That We have or sponsorship investments. So it's a real privilege to be able to find and fund and then fast track startups that really help us bring new fan engagement experiences to the forefront. And I've always been in tech throughout my career. I ran for Baylor University in college, ran the 5000 and the 10,000. Michael Johnson was our assistant coach. So sports that's in my roots helped kind of shape me, I would say, as a leader. Teamwork time management all of those amazing skills you get on the field translate beautifully in the workplace as well so it's great to see my passion for technology and sports come together in a way that can add value to the business
0: is it like chaotic over there on the tech side i would imagine you guys are obviously working with a ton of different leagues and entities across sports whether it's the wwe nascar pga tour etc what is life like over there right now is it just a million things going on all at once
1: Well, life is a lot better than when we first announced. So we launched in January of 2020. And as we all know, the world went on pause (laughs) two months later, including sports. And here I was, I have my dream job. Sports is recession-proof, but nothing's COVID-proof. So it was chaotic then. But I would say it's even more so now because now that fans are coming back, in stadiums, the experience is expected to be that much higher. When we're broadcasting or bringing data to storytelling from the NBC sports side or the Sky Sports side of our business, we're constantly looking to push the envelope. And so that's really at the heart of the program is how do we find some of these early stage companies that are bringing new fan experiences, whether that's in stadiums and venues. Comcast Business supports about 144 stadiums in the U.S. with connectivity and security and Wi-Fi. So where do we add and how do we add value there to bring those fans back? Again, how do we make sure that we have the opportunity to tell the stories of our Team USA athletes through 2032? How do we make sure that on our Xfinity platform that that is the place to watch every single moment of every medal of every athlete out there and make that as seamless for a fan as possible? Or even if you look at it from the youth sports side of our business, we have Sports Engine as well. We know that when kids play sports, they're fans for life. And that's important, again, for that ongoing broadcast viewership and that engagement that we want to see with fans of all ages.
0: Is the Olympic part of that, is that the most stressful component of that? I feel like that's one that you certainly don't want to mess up.
1: Yes, you definitely do not want to mess that up. I think props to our NBC sports team, because they had not just the Winter Olympics, but shortly thereafter, they had the Summer Olympics because the time frame was so compressed. And then just to make things even more complicated, one weekend in the middle of that, we also had the Super Bowl. These are teams that know how to pull off amazing feats. And are constantly looking at new technology to bring different angles, perspective, storytelling, to bring you as close to the action as possible to really appreciate and understand what it's like to be in a half pipe. So anywhere that we can apply data to that. I think helps enrich that storytelling. And so that helped to frame our eight strategic investment areas for the accelerator. So media and entertainment is a huge one. So any technology that can help with remote production so that we can cover more and more events in a cost-effective way, all the way to... Advantage, which was in our last cohort that is really giving you a completely new perspective through the eyes of the athlete using embedded broadcast grade technology in a camera that's shrunk to the size that can fit inside a football helmet or in the bill of a golf hat. So it's those types of things all the way to venue and event innovation, fantasy and sports betting is a huge area for us. We've got a strategic partnership with PointsBet, but it is truly a different way for us to engage with that younger audience that isn't necessarily tuning in for the entire game. Oftentimes, they're just watching the highlights on YouTube. We want them tuning in from start to finish. That's important for our advertising business and the brands that sponsor so many of the different teams and leagues that we support. And you look at the golf channel side of our business as well. I mean, that's just another place where we need to really challenge athlete and player performance, coach and team success, all of those elements to bring those stories to life.
0: Yeah. So I would love to spend some time and talk about how the program actually works. I think that there's probably some people even listening to this podcast that probably have started businesses or are thinking about starting businesses that could potentially fit. So everything from How do people apply? How many people do you accept? How long does the program take? How does it kind of progress from there and what gets provided to the founders? Maybe if we could talk through some of that, that would be helpful.
1: Yes, all great questions. So it is an accelerator program that lasts for three months. We do have a huge application process. Our applications are open now. For this last cohort, we had a little over 800 companies apply. Boomtown is our operating partner, and thankfully, they have an incredible deal flow team that helps us really assess those applications that come in and really understand what aligns the innovation needs and priorities of our partners in the consortium. So our partners are probably the secret sauce, I would say, of our accelerator program versus some of the other accelerator programs. And it's because we could have just played with all of the portfolio assets that we have on the sports side of our business, because we've got NBC Sports, we've got Sky Sports, Golf Channel, we have Spectacor, So we own Wells Fargo Center, the Flyers. That's a huge playground of decision makers for our founders to work with. But we really wanted to make it a bigger opportunity so that these founders could work across multiple teams and leagues. Because oftentimes when you are building a product, it's not an easy ecosystem to break into. So if you happen to break into, and I'll just use tennis as an example, you'll start to find that your entire product line is very much tailored singularly to one sport, and that doesn't really put you in a position to scale. So by bringing NASCAR in, that was an important one for us because we're a broadcast partner. We broadcast the second half of the season. Comcast Business and Xfinity are title sponsors. So you see our activations and our brands there. They're very data-driven and willing to experiment and try things out at the different tracks. And if you can make something work at a venue the size of Daytona, you've got something there. And then PGA Tour obviously makes complete sense. We've got Golf Channel. We don't have a 24 by 7 dedicated channel to one sport without having an amazing partner in PGA Tour. And so that allows us to really test different ways that we can bring those tournaments to life. WWE so they chose peacock to be their exclusive home for streaming and so again another opportunity to really stretch the boundaries with a company that is truly a brand behemoth <laughs> and you know they are developing athletes as much as they are putting on amazing events in a live situation or on peacock as well and then we brought in three olympic teams so that goes to our roots with our sponsorship investments with the olympics and so we have USA ski and Snowboard, Swimming, and Cycling as well. So it is really our partners that are choosing the 10 companies that ultimately come in. So of those 800, we get it down to the top 50. There's a two-week scoring opportunity for the partners to weigh in. And it's everything from what's the strategic impact to the business? What's the impact to the industry? Do you think this is the team to do it? And most importantly, would you want to mentor them and work with them? That gets us down to the top 20. And then we interview them.
0: That's what I was going to ask was, how does that work, right? Because I'm assuming you want to get to know the entrepreneurs at some point and make a decision for yourself, you know, look and feel and everything else alongside that.
1: Joe, you're 100% correct on that. We're really ultimately choosing the founders first and foremost and the technology secondly. We actually interviewed 22 companies this time around. So it was three rigorous days of one hour sessions on Zoom. We would invite the founders in. They gave us a full 10 to 15 minute pitch on the business, walked us through any live product demos, and then we asked all the tough questions about IP protection, how have they handled some really difficult tech challenges like latency and some of those things that could hinder bringing those experiences to life. And we watch and see how they handle some of those questions. And they're very diverse questions because you're coming from different decision makers across different sports organizations. And we look for founders that have a really, really strong conviction in their vision and what they're building, have the people and team in place with the experience and the drive to do it, but that are also really coachable, that are going to listen, challenge assumptions in their business. That's what really helps them find product market fit. And ultimately, What comes out of that is, you know, we got the top 10 companies that we wanted. We invested in each and every one of them. So we have an equity position in each company. It's a 50-50 split with Boomtown, our operating partner. That keeps our skin in the game. And then in that three-month program, we've chosen them because there's a strategic fit There's an innovation need or gap that we're interested in. We have line of sight on pilots and proof of concepts so we can actually test and experiment with them during that three-week program and beyond to help them earn their way to commercial deals with us. And then the third is, again, it's belief in the founding team because each team gets assigned one commercial advisor from one of the partners in the consortium. And they are truly rolling up their sleeves with these founders and giving advice and guidance and perspective and opening their networks to really help them find product market fit.
0: What does the business look like, like a typical startup when they come and apply? I'm assuming most of, if not all of them, haven't found product market fit yet. Maybe they only have a few employees. Like, just talk me through kind of what the average business or what most of them end up looking like before you get your hands on them.
1: So most of them are pre-seed to seed, but in some instances, bumping right up to a series A. So a lot of the companies in this particular cohort Because we want to be able to test and experiment in the program, already have a product, they're still refining their product market fit, though. So we meet the founders where they are. We spend a lot of time with them in those strategy onboarding sessions before the program starts to really understand what are they looking to get out of this? What are their business outcomes? Where do they think they maybe have a gap in their business? And without fail, there are pivots and there are new discoveries in the program. And that's a great thing, because if you come in thinking, I really just need to hone my marketing. But then you realize maybe B2B is a better path than B2C. And if that's the case and you're creating something that's white label, that's a completely different marketing plan. That's a completely different go to market strategy. So we make sure we surround them not just with our commercial advisors, but also subject matter experts who serve as mentors throughout the program to help them, whether it is really refining their business model or marketing or fundraising to make sure that that core curriculum is there to build their business into a sustainable business and that we can bring in the right expertise as their needs evolve in the program and frankly beyond, because now they're all portfolio companies and these are not passive checks that we're writing.
0: Yeah. And I would love to talk a little bit about how you think more generally accelerator programs, but more specifically your guys program, how you think it fits into the broader landscape of funding and financing, right? Because as someone who does quite a bit of this myself, like the last few years have been pretty crazy. I mean, it's obviously slowed down to some extent now. And I think people are tightening their belts, whether it's, you know, marketing budgets or just making sure that they're keeping burn low and making sure that they can kind of extend their lifeline. But money was pretty easy to get over the last few years, right? And a lot of founders didn't have to go through these different programs to not only find funding, but find mentorship and all these other things. So maybe just some kind of guidance on how you feel about the total venture market in general and how these programs fit into it.
1: Yeah. So I think an accelerator program can be really vital if you need access to really understand and find product market fit. I think that's an important element of it. I think going into it as a founder... Ideally, you only want to raise the funding that you need. This isn't about just getting you ready for investor pitches. This is truly about helping you build a company that if you can have product-led growth and build off bootstrapping and revenue, you're gonna own more of your company. And that is in the best interest of the founder. And for us coming in, we're coming in as a strategic investor because we believe it gives us that early lens to see the technology, shape it in a way that can be licensed, acquired, integrated into our business and keep us at the forefront of bringing new fan experiences to life. We'd rather work with startups versus being disrupted by them. And then the other big important piece of it is this pushes us in our company. We were founded by Ralph Roberts 60 plus years ago, and the quintessential entrepreneur. But when you get to a company of our size and scale, it is hard to remain nimble and to constantly be iterating and experimenting and learning and pushing ourselves. And so we often find that many of these employees that have an opportunity to work side by side with these founders, it keeps that entrepreneurial mindset alive within our company. And it's probably one of the more tangible ways that we can continue to be pushing the forefront so that it's not just during the Olympics, during those 17 days that we're playing in that tech sandbox, but it's constantly year round staying at the forefront of shaping the future of sports.
0: Yeah. And my next question was going to be around how it fits into the broader landscape of Comcast, but it almost feels like you might've answered that a little bit talking about how you rather work with these partners, right? Than be not only disrupted by them, but see them later on down the road. Is that kind of how you think about it?
1: It is. And it's a good point. It very much shaped The other external sports partners that we brought on board, it needed to build off of our media rights. It needs to build off of our sponsorship investments so that in many ways, it is adding a little bit of rigor around those investments and making sure that we are getting the biggest ROI out of that as we can. And frankly, with each one of those partners, whether it's PGA Tour or NASCAR, it deepens our relationships Because we're creating value together and bringing that to our fans collectively that we need to keep, you know, loving sports and tuning
0: in. Are there any trends that you've seen? Like, are there, I'm sure there's trends, but more along like a large number of companies focused on one area versus another. Like, what are you seeing on that front? I'm assuming that, you know, things like fantasy or gaming are very popular right now. Is there anything else that you're seeing?
1: Yeah, to your point, fantasy and sports betting, and that was our highest concentration of the eight strategic investment areas that we got applications through. But then, of course, when you're choosing 10, you're not going to have two companies in the same category that are competing against one another, right? So you have to pick the one that you think is most aligned to the business. Money line in that case was that for us. So that one's growing immensely. Media and entertainment, there's just such a trend that you see. I'm a huge fan of the data of Whoop being integrated into the broadcast. I think it just tells a different element of the storytelling, whether it's Rory McElroy or Kelly Corda, the fact that her heart rate was not The fastest during the Olympics when she lost the lead and it was a three-way fight to the end or the final putt, it was the moment she stepped on the podium to accept the gold medal. I mean, that to me gives you the true heart of the nuances of that sport and that athlete and everything they put on the line.
0: So you don't know this, but Whoop is the title sponsor of this podcast.
1: I do know that, actually.
0: You do? All right, there you go. They're going to be very happy that you said that. But to be honest, you know, I could have chose other people for that, but I wear a Whoop and I love it, right? It's, to your point, not only cool for the individual, but there's this weird connection now where you can see the exact same stats on a professional athlete. And not only if they share it, but now it's integrated in the broadcast, right? So to your point, we see Billy Horschel, right? He won the Memorial Tournament. His heart rate was at like 130 or 140 or something like that when he hit the final putt. And you're like, oh, shit, this guy's just like me, right? He, he His heart rate was much higher than you would expect for a professional golfer. And then, you know, you see Justin Thomas sleep stats. You see Patrick Mahomes on the NFL field, right? It's just very cool data that has uh, knocked down a lot of the barriers that we've probably been separated from the professional athlete on. And it's really cool to see. It's something that I'm very excited about.
1: I couldn't agree more. Definitely heart rate like me, but not putting skills like me, would be the differentiation there. It's a great example of what Willamette has accomplished is really remarkable. You look at the fact that he has athletes that are wearing it, that are sharing that data, making a choice, integrating that into the broadcast and NBC Sports being behind that and PGA Tour. I think it's very similar to the path that HeadVantage in our last cohort will go down, which is you know, having an athlete that is wearing a camera so you can see through the eyes of the athlete. And it's their eye tracking technology that's also very fascinating and has a health implication as well. So if you're able to see through the perspective of the athlete, what they're seeing, but you can use eye tracking of where their eyes are looking on the field.
0: Wait, 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 wait. That is very cool. What is this company called and how does it work?
1: So head manage, Okay. incredible founding team. So Jay Headley is the CEO. He was previously an Air Force firefighter. So he ended up in all of those instances when they would use the heads up display to really go back and look at a mission. His idea was, wait a minute, All of this could be the same amazing technology that could be applied as an athlete. So if you're able to see what Rory McIlroy sees when he's hitting out of the bunker, or why did that interception happen? Where were his eyes looking? And it's the eye tracking technology that's most incredible about this because it is taking a picture of your eye every 120 times per second. So if there is a huge tackle and collision, they'll be able to see instantaneously if the pupil dilates. So there is a health application to that as well, to really help prevent concussions and have the data of what occurred on the field to really make a proper assessment. But me as a fan, to be able to see through the eyes of the athlete and get as close to the decision-making in that moment because they're making a million different split-second decisions in a critical sports moment, I think it's just fascinating. And where they found a really interesting niche is with our golf team. So we have golf pass, membership program. We also have golf instruction that's embedded into like School of Golf on Golf Channel. So typically when they are filming Martin Hall, they have seven cameras on him. Now, Head Vantage is camera number eight. It sits right under the bill of the hat. You don't even know it's there. He can barely even feel it. And so they went from a proof of concept with him to a pilot, and now it's broadcast. And now you can see golf instruction from his perspective, which I think is incredibly powerful. But I am excited for the day when Rory McIlroy is wearing that, and I can see his club selection. I can see the lie of the ball from his perspective. Or is there an obstruction for the shot he needs to make to win the championship?
0: Yeah, I was thinking about it when you brought up football because you know you see guys like Patrick Mahomes do these no look passes, and you're like, how cool would that be? Able to see kind of where he's looking on the field when he does that. Or interceptions are good too, right? If they make a mistake, uh, and there's probably another application too for training. We've seen these VR applications where they try to replicate it. So you don't have to take hits and you do all these things. But if you're able to replicate someone's vision on the field or on the course or, you know, wherever, that's probably pretty valuable also.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. There's a complete coaching
0: play to this as well. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I like that. Okay. So what happens after you guys fund these businesses? Like, how does that process look?
1: It's a great question. In that three-month program, it is a pressure cooker, right? So we're trying to accomplish as much as we can. But traditionally, and you saw it with cohort one, so when we announced demo day, so at the end of that three-month program with the first set of 10 companies, we announced 16 pilots and proof of concepts, one commercial deal. Now that is over 30. And so that just goes to show you that there's a lot that can be accomplished in that three months to really prove out that there's a there there. And then beyond that is where they see more and more of the commercial opportunities and the fact that they can have commercial opportunities with multiple partners in the program. So afterwards, it evolves into quarterly alumni roundtable meetings. So again, coming back in, like, what are your current needs, any challenges? And they get as much value from working together as a cohort and finding different ways that their technology applied together can break into new parts of the marketplace as well. So I'm excited that this time around, we're able to now do those alumni roundtable sessions with cohort one and cohort two, because again, they're able to support one another And as they grow, help their fellow founders in the program. And it's that serendipity that is also a really unique aspect of an accelerator program. Again, it's like sports in general, right? Nothing is individual. It's a team sport across the way to build a business.
0: Do you guys invest in later rounds when they go raise money again?
1: Excellent question. So we do an opportunity to come back in and do follow-on funding. Comcast Ventures, a very active fund on our side, really is looking at areas that the closest would be connected health. So a lot of our startups aren't necessarily the right most natural fit within their investment areas. So we do spend a lot of time with the key investors in the sports technology space and make sure that we have those relationships so that they can join us for investor meetings. They can hear those pitches as they get to a stage that is appropriate. Then we make sure that those introductions happen. We have a great example of that within Venue. They were in our first cohort. They do predictive analytics, and where they found their product market fit was really around using this predictive analytics in a sports betting kind of a realm to create more micro betting experiences during the game. We used their technology during the Oakland A's and Chicago White Sox series. So, using their pitch and predict, so it was a broadcast overlay what was the probability of what would happen at bat next? what was always interesting for us is it's not what's interesting that just happened, but what's about to happen and why is it so amazing? And The commentators talked about it, that visibility got them so much exposure with so many of the different sports books. Underdog Ventures was a part of their $3.5 million raise. KB Partners was in there as well. So they recently closed that round. Now, fast forward, Apple's got their MLB Friday night games and MLB is of course doing the production for them and the very first thing they asked is how do we get this predictive analytics and it's in venue that has all of these data signals simplified in a way to again bring nuance to the sport
0: i was just going to say that's amazing cuz when you really think about it there's very few you know people get mad at this sometimes but all the venture capital firms don't always provide valuable insights after funding. In some cases they do, and certainly some are better than others in that regard. But a program like this really gives you a distinct advantage when it comes to not only meeting other people and the expertise, but the relationships, right? You guys have obviously these connections and these relationships to partners that you're currently working with that can be immensely valuable for some of the partners or some of the companies that come through the accelerator.
1: Couldn't agree more. And we lucked out this time around. So cohort one was 100% virtual. And there are efficiencies that come with that. Certainly. However, we also know that 100% virtual sucks (laughs) and the opportunity to come together presented itself fortunate enough right in week six. So right in the middle of the program, we discovered that four of our sports partners had major sporting events all within an eight-day period, all within driving distance. And so we turned that into a mid-program opportunity to bring our founders and our sports partners together. So they've been working all this time. Now they finally get to meet in person and really deepen those relationships. So we started off at Circuit of America's NASCAR race, behind-the-scenes tour of how do you stand up an operation like that. They got to meet with pit crews, race teams, talk with Steve Stum and Craig Neap, and really get to understand and see... Where their technology could aid in a NASCAR racing experience. Then from there, we went to Valero Open. So we had PGA Tour take us through all of the Shotling technology that they use to bring every shot live. NBC Productions, the next day, we got to see the production compound. Again, where could their technology? fit and work in there and how to build those important relationships. The last was WrestleMania, which was an incredible event. But my favorite part of it was actually the Monday, Tuesday, right in the middle of it, where that was our curriculum with the founders and the sports partners. So the founders stood up a pitch again on their company, the product and the pilot that they were working on with their sports partner. Their sports partner stood up and said, these are the business outcomes we expect. If we see this, this is a game changer for us. And here's why. And what was really powerful about that is when the partners are advocating on behalf of the founders, all of the other partners in the room, suddenly the light bulb goes off of, oh, hadn't thought about that as a use case. We have something similar over here. Could we experiment this? So we walked out of those two days with 5x the pilots and proofs of concept that we had going into it. And so that's what you'll see us executing on post-program to really bring that to life.
0: Yeah. I love that. It sounds like there's a lot of amazing things going on and I would have loved to go to WrestleMania. That sounds amazing.
1: It was incredible.
0: It's uh, crazy, the event that they put on there.
1: It's incredible what they were able to create. And they are also, if you look at it from the WWE standpoint, pre-pandemic, they were doing 350 to 400 events around the world each year. And they don't own these venues. So they're going into different venues and they're beholden to the ticketing provider that's there, the technology that's embedded in that stadium, the food and beverage partner that's there. So they are just incredibly adept at figuring out the best fan experience, working with whatever partners are at hand and figuring out how to get it done.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Um, All right. If we do this again in a year, what is your feedback or what do you think is going to happen in this next cohort?
1: The one that just finished, I think this one is this one's unique in that we had a couple of companies that truly have applicability for every single company in the consortium. So Let's Chat is a fantastic example of this. They do live language translations. So they can support 104 languages, incredible accuracy. They can do this for live content, live broadcast, VOD content. They can do it for websites, applications. So this could be used by our Golf Now Tea Time Booking. If you want to book it in your natural language, it will translate it for you. If you want to take the treasure trove of golf content, Amazing moments that have happened and translate that into different languages to find new audiences. We have that capability. Sky does a ton of dubbing for all of their productions. So they just have incredible applicability across every single one of our sports partners. So I think you'll see some exciting things with Let's Chat. And then Tip Tap Sports is another really interesting one. So they have created charity first company and they have created a very simple, mobile, self-contained ability to tap and pay, whether that's for donating to a charity or a fixed cost item for merchandise where you just tap your card for five dollars and you get your hat. So there's value there, whether it is helping to support the foundation like a Flyers Foundation in the Wells Fargo Center where fans want to give and donate, all the way to having something that could help with you know, paying for parking and things like that at a youth sports game that can help coaches collect some of those dollars to help fund the equipment that our youth athletes need. So there's Amazing applicability, and it's portable, it's creative, and it's a charity-first driven company. So, again, another one that I think is going to be a standout success.
0: Last but not least, where can I send people to go find out more about the program or actually apply for it if they want to do that too?
1: Love that question. So, ComcastSportstech.com. They can apply right there. Applications are open until about the mid-part of August. And they can see our eight strategic investment areas. There's pages on each of our partners. So you can really get a sense of the innovation that they're looking for and the types of business leaders that they have an opportunity to work with. We really designed it. So we hope that as a founder, you could come in and see where your technology could make an impact.
0: Gotcha. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Jenna. It was a pleasure. I really enjoyed our conversation and I think it's a great idea. I think that you guys are doing awesome work, not only for founders, but for the industry in general. And I highly recommend people check out these type of sports accelerators because You're getting an advantage if you join it. If they get accepted, they're getting well and above an advantage from what typical startup founders would get, not only through capital, but expertise and mentorship and everything like that. So I think it's great and I recommend you guys keep up the great work.
1: Thank you. Pleasure to be with you and nailed it at the end. It's truly about access to decision makers so they can build a revenue sustainable
0: business. All right, everyone, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, I appreciate you listening to The Joe Pomp Show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify so that you don't miss any episodes going forward. And if you are looking for additional content, check out my daily newsletter at readhuddleup.com or follow me on Twitter at Joe Pompliano. I hope you have a great day and I'll see you next time.